To when God was queer for our ninth episode. Da, 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 da. Number nine. <laughs> Number, Number nine. 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 It's almost ten. <laughs> That's almost ten. Uh, so hey, I am your host, Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by my two fabulous co-hosts. I'm Vince with a nine in it. Vance with a nine in it. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm Daff Nine. I'm Daff Nine, Ninth of Tano's. And we are here to talk about why Madonna is such a bitch. That's what we're doing today. It's <laughs> true. That is this episode. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so um, here we go. This is my podcast, and I'm talking about why I'm pretty sure me and Madonna would either be best friends or mortal enemies. Uh, <laughs> that means you know it's time for the Hera episode. Yay! Peacock sounds. There. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling B about this last day. I um, was. I had never heard a peacock before, yeah. and I was at Great Adventure with my parents in the car with my little brother, and we were driving by, and it was like kind of in the beginning, and there was a bunch of peacocks, and one of them went like off because <laughs> they don't. There's no quiet no, sound. There's that no they middle make. sound. Yeah, it's just like oh, oh, oh like that. Whatever yeah. that sound is. Yeah. And when I tell you, we all literally jumped out of our skin and went, "What the fuck was that?" And we looked over, and the only animal we could see was a peacock. And the peacock like looked at us, and it did like a full <laughs> throated tail one. thing. Oh, oh no, no, it did another one, but another like one. looking at, at like at us at the car. It's and very aggressive. <laughs> When I tell you, yeah. we literally had to try and leave the fucking safari because all four of us were laughing so hard. We almost <laughs> pissed ourselves because none of us had ever heard a peacock before. And we could not believe it. It was so funny. Can oh we get into God. like sound clips? Can you sound clip in a peacock sound right it's... here in the podcast like later? Yeah. Yeah. For you guys, put a, for, put a peacock if you've sound. never heard a peacock before, this is what that majestic animal sounds like when it decides to tell everyone. Everybody was thinking. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds, it's weird because it's like, it's a strange sound, but it also sounds like if you were just imagining what bird, like a ground bird sounds like, it's exactly what a peacock sounds like. You like you hear the sound and you go, oh, that's a bird. Like, yeah. That, right. You know, but then you hear from a peacock and you go, not you. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Not you. I expected not you to you sing more. With, more. With, with full lyrics or something. I expected uh. you to really, like, sing or say nothing. Like, I didn't know they, what was going to happen. They have choreography. You would expect them to at least get a, like, a decent you would song expect, going. Yeah. You would do a whole dance and this is the lyrics? And that's like, the song? Yes. My God. So, yeah, so what is our, this is, you know, I'm just so excited because this is our first goddess. It's, yeah. like, really exciting. Yeah. Um, we get to get out of bro town for a minute. So <laughs> what is everybody's general ideas, initial thoughts, perception walking into this episode about Hera? 
I love Tara as a kid. And I, as an adult, I'm trying to figure out why. And I have to assume, because, like, obviously she's, like, very much made to seem like this, like, naggy, always hating everything, complaining, which obviously is, like, a bit simplistic, but, and also deals with immense amount of shit. But as a kid, I didn't think she was annoying and, like, naggy. She was my favorite goddess. I loved her. And I have to think it's because she was, like, the eye roll one who was just like oh give me a break like didn't fall for wasn't like Mm. oh gods and goddesses but was like that's not fucking okay what are you doing shut up you know like was just over yeah over everyone's bullshit who was your favorite spice girl like then or now then posh that's a very hera choice i just like mean girls yeah over it yeah it's yeah, that, like, it, that's cool true. That school. is very Hera. Yeah, like, I was. Too, too I cool wouldn't pick school. Posh now. Obviously, no. that's boring as hell. She barely even like knew the lyrics. I, I think, but I, <laughs> but I didn't really like the Spice Girls. She music. was there to. I wear just the liked her. Hell out of a dress. Tiny, tiny did. black dress. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's it. If you just take a second and think back about the merchandising for the Spice Girls, yeah, I had a book, like a little <laughs> pocket book. <clears throat> That was uh, given to me for like Christmas or something like that. And it was about Posh Spice. It was just about Posh Spice. It was about like her what? origin story and like her likes and dislikes. Her, <laughs> she her was favorite like 23. Color. Like, what was yeah. her origin story at the time? <laughs> oh, it, it, it talked all about it. was like, and it was like little snippets on each page, like, and just like tons of photos of her. And She's like, I woke up one day girls. and I was a star. It's like, yeah, what? there's no story. But I, Posh Spice did it before Kim Kardashian put I, out that selfie book. I just remember, Clearly. like, I was so upset. Because yeah. it was like a grandparent or somebody got it for me. And I just like opened it and I went, oh, thanks. Who was your favorite? <laughs> My favorite was Scary. Scary. I was, yeah. Yeah. I was about Scary Spice down. Scary is obviously the coolest one. Yeah, Scary is 100% the coolest. Also has the best voice. Like is, yes. uh, is the coolest in every regard. Well, not necessarily. Had the most personality, because... I feel like. Like just like in the music videos, like had the most presence. Like she was definitely, her and Sporty were the coolest ones. They were really now, cool. I, my I see my that. little brother was team Sporty Spice down. Like my my little brother was like all about Sporty Spice. Um and he's a lesbian. So it makes like 100% sense that like yeah. he was all about Sporty Spice. Um Mel C. We were Mel B and Mel yeah. C. Yeah, Mel and, and Mel. we used to play Spice Girls with our friends like at friggin um the after school like daycare that we hung out at that was like uh through the Y or like just in the neighborhood. We would bring out the boombox, we'd play Spice World or it's just Spice and we would all just be <laughs> the Spice Girls. And every year at summer camp, it, it was not like a sleepaway camp. It was like your parents drop you off yeah, you, you go work for the and day, like, and, you know. Yeah. And so there was always a talent show every year. And every year I entered with a bunch of girls that I had taught the choreography and we did <laughs> a Spice Girls track. And I was I was Scary Spice every time, and like <laughs> I was obsessed with Scary Spice, and I used to get into knockdown dragouts with other like nine year old little girls if about how Scary Spice was the leader of the group, and they'd be like, "No, it's Ginger," and I'm like, "No, it's fucking no, Scary, it's Spice. Scary Spice." <laughs> and then Ginger broke up the group, and I got to go back to every one of those motherfuckers and be like, "Oh, what's going on with Ginger Spice now? Now we can't even have a group." I was so upset about it but like yeah i it, it's so funny because you look back now and you're like oh okay cool like the one who was really phoning it in was probably baby <laughs> like nobody ever no even for. noticed baby yeah no everybody was like oh baby spice is there because she's cute and like 
Then you look at the vocal She's part not of even it. that cute, though. She's just, like, she looks way too old to be, it's, like, weird baby, like, it's, like, baby fetish, where she, like, l- looks like she's, like, 35 and There's, like, the like original child. cosplayers. Yeah. I don't know what they were cosplaying. They were just cosplaying like well, random. All different like, things also. Not the I'm, same. They didn't call I'm each a other. woman who works out. I only wear activewear. I'm <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, but that's another reason great. Scary was kind of cool because I feel like Scary just had a style. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I don't, she wasn't really cosplaying anything. The rest of them kind no. of were. I feel like Scary Spice was just like an actual pop star. <laughs> the rest of them right. were like weird little girls wearing different. Well, I think that applies to Scary and Ginger. Ginger yeah, Ginger had, also like, had a more the universal full look. on like you know pop star babe. You know, I wear like a Union Jack dress. Yeah, and, and like, those whatever. giant shoes. But the other three had like a full on character they were supposed to play that like yeah. determined their dialogue in the movie. Like also what? their names. I mean, Ginger and Scary <laughs> yeah. don't mean. I mean, Ginger fine, she has red hair, but like the other three yeah. are like, I'm the baby. I'm yeah. the posh one. Look how fancy I, I am. I'm the butch I'm one. Sporty. Like, <laughs> like, like, right. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. It's, it's so silly. So weird. I miss it, man. That was a time to be alive. Pokemon cards and Spice Girls was a time to be alive. <laughs> oh my god. It was Wait, so, so uh, what was the point of this? Oh right. Because oh, I right. picked that's why I like Tara. You were all about too cool for school. You're like you were like I give me every version of Daria I can get. I oh, will I, take yeah. it. I but will I was love Jane, it. but I'm not Daria. I'm Jane. No, but you Jane appreciate Daria. But I do. Of course. She would be my best and friend. So, but she yeah, wouldn't be me. So I that's I think it makes sense that you were like, I'm all about Hera. Yeah, I, I loved her, but she didn't come off to me at all. Like, I realized that later as an adult that she, like, comes off as, like, the typical nagging wife, like, stereotype. But, like, I didn't see that as a kid. I just thought she was the smart one who, like, thought everyone else was, like, incapable, which was kind of true. Where where do you think you got that impression from? From my m- could- mythology book. Oh, okay. I was like, it couldn't have been friggin' the Disney movie. It couldn't have been that. I'm too old for that. I was too old. I didn't even see the Disney movie. I'm, oh, okay. I'm older than you. <laughs> I no, I had a book. Oh, I had right, a Greek right. myth I had a Greek mythology book that like maybe it portrayed her like that, or maybe that is just how I took it. I, I don't know. Like I just liked her. She was like the tough bitch. Mm-hmm. And my mom is an Aries. I don't know. It just like made sense to me. It all added up like, oh, this is the one who's in charge. Clearly, yeah, she's in charge. She's on top of shit. Like, she's the only one who's like fucking not goofing around. Like, and then everyone blames her, and then everyone's like annoyed at her all the time. But it's like she didn't do anything. She's just holding shit down. Like, yeah. So, so I like that about her. She's also the one who seems like a like responsible, like a person. Okay. But I realize that's like uh, probably just I intuited a lot of that. <laughs> all right, and Vince. Yeah. Uh, so I think when I was younger, I felt bad for Hera, because for a lot of the reasons that Daphne is saying, like, I think I noticed most of the stuff she was mad about was, like, super valid to be mad about, and that everyone just kind of, like, shat on her for no reason. Mm. But then I got older and was like, yeah, but you're out here, like, really fucking over humans that are actually innocent. So, like, Mm. I feel, like, less bad for you, because you're, like, being a dick because you don't have power. And that's, like, kind of fucked, too. Even, yeah, and, the Amphorosode kind of addressed that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, I don't, like, I you're righteously angry, but then to take that out on people who don't really have any way of actually engaging with this seems kind of, like, I, I can't really be, like, mm. Mm. Um, But then it just comes back to the more I learn about Zeus being terrible, the more I'm, like, yeah, that's, yeah, I get it. Mm. Like, 
being in that environment, like, for that long, and also him being your brother, <laughs> like, all of that, like, I can't imagine not being, and also being that powerful, like, I can't imagine not being, um, a little, have to, having a while out, and, but the thing that I think I've always resonated with Hera with is, uh, the way she seeks revenge, mm. um, cause, like, the seeking of revenge is something that I very much so appreciate, I guess. Like the like the inspiration that goes behind mm. crafting revenge for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, this is... Because like, I think all the other ones were kind of like... And, and a lot of this is coming from the books, right? So it's like the way that some of the other stuff was colored in terms of people getting back at each other wasn't as creative, I saw. And then some of the Hera stuff was just like, damn... That's wild. Uh, why did you? Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like you, you really were like you were about to put everybody in danger off of this. Like mm-hmm. you just unleashed the titans. Like they're just out now because yeah, and everybody might die. Yeah, yeah, right? um. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I mean, I I do think that like coming up, I definitely didn't ever think like, oh, she woke up and chose violence. But it's like, if somebody else did, she's going to top it. Like, right. (laughs) And also what I thought was really interesting, I I, I don't think I ever really had a feeling one way or another about Hera uh, ever. I just sort of was like, oh, Mm. she's a fact. She's there. You know, I I, I didn't really feel like I had my favorites. I think we all did. Just like with Spice Girls, like you had your favorite Greek goddess that you learned about growing up. And like, for me, I was very team Artemis. Like, for my whole shit you know i was like oh my god artemis is the coolest um you know hearing the story of how like she sat on zeus's lap and was like i'm not getting married so here's what i need give me like this many nymphs this many hunting hounds (laughs) this many you know like whatever and zeus just being like cool you know like it's like oh wow you know so um that plus you know a lot of other things i was like oh my god artemis is like really cool which is wild because sporty spice was not my thing like which you would have <laughs> thought but yeah i i just really always thought like i i thought it was really interesting that hera was usual in so many myths she like is the impetus for the conflict that mm-hmm. creates the myth right she intervenes in so many myths and yeah. <laughs> her wrath is legendary, you know? And I'm like, it, it It never felt to me like, oh, here she goes again. It was just kind of like, whoa, yeah, that's going to happen. You know, like, it yeah. just kind of felt like a fact of life. I don't know. So let's talk origins. Now, Homer and Ovid, this is interesting. They name her as the eldest of the Olympians, the eldest daughter of Cronus oh. and Rhea. But it's largely accepted in most mythology, including Hesiod, that Hestia was the eldest of all the Olympians. And also in some sources, they're not just brother and sister, her and Zeus, they're twins. Oh, that's Uh, even weirder. That's even, I think, more toxic and kind of does maybe explain more. Makes more sense, actually, on the second level. Now, Homer states that she hid under the protection of Oceanus and Tethys during the Titanomachy. There are many other tellings stating that she fought on the side of the Olympians and that she was fierce in battle. Yeah, wait a minute. Because if they were twins, then that would mean that Rhea just was like, oh, I gotta give one of one of these... I don't have two rocks, so... I guess, yeah, she was like, <laughs> yeah, here's yeah, she was just like, Hera like, and a rock swaddled together. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What the fuck? Now, in terms of purview, what do you remember, or what do you... What's your current context of what she is the goddess of? 
That's... Because I feel like she's the toughest goddess of the Olympians to nail down what she's actually in charge of. I was just thinking that when we were talking about her. I was like, you know, the funny thing is like, yeah, little kids you would think would be like, I like this one because they're like, yeah, you know, like I like Baby Spice because she's cute. Like I like this guy because they're the, I'm like, I like Hera the best. I have no fucking idea what she does. She's just mad all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I still don't really know. I really don't. I, I mean, she's obviously like the queen kind of, but like, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know. So her role is like know. queen of the gods, but what's she the goddess of? No, obviously she's the goddess of something, probably multiple things, but I have no fucking idea. Okay. So I vaguely remember her being like... Oh, marriage, right? Yeah. Is the absurd thing. I know thing. Zeus has some kind of role with the like sanctity of marriage too, which is also like absurd. But like Hera's one of her main kind of things yeah. is like the like the the union of marriage or something. Mm. I know she also has like a lot of if she has like a solid amount of children that are like not anthropomorphic, right? Is that true? Um, what do you mean? I felt like she just had kids that were like not. No, man, I'm probably crossing some people up. But she's just like has a really. I don't know why, but she just has a relationship with a lot of the like not human looking uh entities like with the titans mm. with like uh i feel like with the giants at one point like i thought she she's like involved with them at some somehow um but is that because she's like actually involved or is she just like getting into shit all the time well she's i feel like out of the ones that i know of olympians she's the only one that like consistently throughout the myths is like you know what it's time to talk to some monsters yeah. Um, so mm. I don't know where that came from, but that's like how I view her. That's, I just view okay. her like having a peacock, a cow, like some kind of list of people that need to be punished because they're supposed to be punished. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as she can like stop having to deal with that, she can be happy for you to be married. But like for the most but part, that doesn't happen that a lot. List, <laughs> yeah, she's busy. Yeah, because people are always adding to that list. So Hera is foremost the goddess of women what just yeah in general she's the goddess of women marriage family and childbirth so she is kind of like queen like that is kind mm -hmm. of like the uh, the supreme lady yeah she... and am i mistaken like did someone was there like a handing down of like the hey this is fertility and stuff on earth like from the titans down to the olympians not really. She would okay. be a cross-section of several titans in terms of, like, her purview. Because gotcha. she's the patroness and she's the protectress. When I say women, I mean adult married women, which was basically one of the only positions. It was, like, kind of the only uh... thing you could be. Um, you were kind of not seen as um, just a man or a woman. You were seen as what your age indicated as to where you stood in society. So if you were an adult woman, there was pretty much no way you weren't married, right? And there were words for adult woman that, like, meant married woman, right? Um, gotcha. And so when you think about it, like, Apollo and Artemis are, like, the gods that preside over youth, right? Yeah. Him, young boys, her, young girls, right? After you got married, you were no longer under Artemis's purview. You were under Hera's purview. Hmm. And so she was the patroness and protectress of married women. She presided over weddings and she blessed marital unions. Now, it's often pointed out that she was treated with the same reverence by the gods as her husband, reigning over them as their queen. However, it is made clear that in most cases, Hera was largely considered to answer to Zeus, equal to him only in her ability to also grant prophecy to mortals. 
That's not to say she didn't have power. Even Zeus was scared of her jealous, vengeful, often cruel nature. And it's this nature that has defined her for thousands of years. But where did it come from? Why is she portrayed this way? The evidence for this is almost entirely drawn from Homer's accounts. And it's Homer's version of the myths, which also include Zeus flying into rages and mercilessly beating her, once even hanging her in the clouds, hands chained and feet hung with anvils. Oh. Wow. So although Hera is always described as a shrill, vengeful wife, she is also always depicted as a solemn, regal, matronly figure. Her most common depictions are actually based on a famous statue that sat in her main temple that was cast from gold and ivory by a man named Polycletus, where she was depicted as a majestic, queenly woman with large, wide eyes. That's her defining attribute. Um, the way that like they say, like, gray-eyed Athena. Her most common epithet, Hera, was cow-eyed. She bore a stoic, imperious countenance, and she's almost never seen without a crown or a diadem, and was often portrayed with her bridal veil still flowing down her back. Because goddess of marriages, right? Her retinue included Hebe, remember Hebe, old Miss Cupbearer, Ilethea, who was the goddess of childbirth, and operated under her purview, like at her direction. Yeah. Iris, uh, Rainbow. Rainbow Girl. And the graces. Her attributes and iconology include the cow, the lion, peacock, cuckoo, and hawk. She's most iconically portrayed with the peacock at her feet. However, her most ancient animal attribute was the cow, and she still is often included under the archetype of cow goddess along with Hathor, because Hathor is classically yeah. understood to be her Egyptian equivalent. That's how mm -hmm. the Greeks saw it. Her, you know how everybody's got like their trident or their thunderbolt? Hers is a scepter topped with a lotus blossom. Cool. Now, where did they get lotus blossom? So the that's the thing. There's a lot of things that entered later and figured into what we see now that is the Hellenic version of her. And we're going to talk about your favorite thing, Mycenaean Greece. <laughs> Fucking go! We're going to talk about it in just a little bit. <laughs> Anybody want to take a guess to her sacred fruit? That she's usually seen carrying or holding? I know Aphrodite's the apple. Though. I was going to say apple, apple, too. Yeah, but... Is it like a fig or something? Random? It's a pomegranate. Oh, Whoa. I was kind of hoping that, but I... Yeah, pomegranate. <laughs> so now we can talk children. One thing to remember when we talk about Hera's children, above all, is that parthenogenesis, which is the birthing of children without the aid of a partner, is a huge theme with Hera's children. This yeah. is most often as a result of Zeus having birthed Athena out of his head without Hera's involvement, as right. Metis was Athena's mother. Remember the fly that Zeus swallowed? Yeah. yeah. Now, as a result, there is an alternate version to the birth of Hebe, Hephaestus, Ares, and Typhon, in which Hera is their sole progenitor. Oh. Now, all of these could be true, or only one of them could be true. It kind of gets rotated. So here are the children that she mothered. You have Angelos, who is an underworld goddess that was raised by nymphs. It said that one day she stole Hera's anointments, and she gave them to Europa. And Hera basically wanted to destroy her for this. So she has to escape Hera's vengeance by hiding in the house of a woman giving birth, and then again among people carrying a dead man. 
there are certain places that like Hera won't go. Oh. And this finally ended when Zeus ordered her to be cleansed by the Kibiroi, who are also the Coretis, who were remember the soldiers that I was telling you about that like hung out yeah. outside of Zeus's cave. Mm. Yeah. So he orders them to go and find her and perform rites at the Acherusian Lake. Remember the Acheron River in Hades? Yeah. There's apparently also a lake. And so they have to go do like a little, you know, baptism in it or something. And as a result, she becomes a minor underworld goddess. Mostly Angelos is thought to be an aspect of Hecate or Artemis or even a forerunner for Persephone. Yeah. Then we have Ares. Ares is the classical Olympian god of war. His warring nature is often chalked up to the manner of his birth because in many versions, he is born solely from Hera's rage in the face of Athena's birth, (laughs) which is why Ares definitely woke up and chose violence. He's not just the god of war, but he delights in wanton bloodshed, violence in excess, and needless conflict. (laughs) Then we have um, Argy, who's a nymph that I could find literally nothing about, so that's that. (laughs) Boring. Yeah. Um, Then we have Eletheia. Eletheia is really fucking cool. She's the goddess of childbirth and midwifery. She was often pictured seated beside the fates. She was revered in the Eleusinian mysteries alongside Demeter and Persephone and was connected with the cult of Enesidion, the earth shaker, the chthonic aspect of Poseidon, which there's some evidence after Poseidon became like ocean daddy that that sort of separated out and became a separate god that was venerated as like a minor underworld god. Which is interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Eletheia was most often a single goddess, but was sometimes portrayed as a group or class of goddesses concerned with the many facets of childbirth. This would later be fully flushed out in the seven Roman goddesses who facilitated childbirth, along with the three fates known as the Parquet, under the direction of Juno Lucina. More on that in a moment. She was strongly connected with Artemis and Hecate, and her Egyptian counterpart was Tawaret. Then we have Eleutheria, the personification of liberty, Featured for a time on coins in Alexandria. Not much about her. She was much more honored and venerated in her Roman counterpart, Libertas. Then we have Enyo, the goddess of war, destruction, conquest, and bloodlust, who reigned over the sacking and destruction of cities. She was the sister and consort of Ares and mother to their sons, Phobos, who is fear, and Demos, who is panic. She was called supreme in war and was often conflated with Eris, the goddess of discord and strife. However, Enyo and Eris and the two sons of Ares are depicted on the legendary shield of Achilles, so they're definitely separate. Interestingly, when you look at classical depictions of Ares, he has a woman in the chariot with his two sons, and they're like riding into war, and that woman is Enyo. Oh. And then we have Hebe. Now, I am so excited to talk to you guys about Hebe because everyone's like, yeah, that's the bitch who just is like the cupbearer, right? Like, she doesn't really do anything. What? How are you a goddess and all you do is cupbearing? Um, turns out that she is the goddess of youth and she's oh. the cupbearer to the Olympian gods, serving them nectar and ambrosia until the point where she married Heracles and was succeeded by Ganymede. She was also worshipped as the goddess of forgiveness and mercy in some cases and in some places, but... This seemingly minor goddess was often called the most revered of all by the gods of Olympus. Wow. Why is that? She was the youngest of all the gods and was responsible for their eternal youth. Right. If they're drinking from that cup, that's what's making them young forever. So she's pretty important. She's very important and in certain cases is capable of endowing this quality to mortals. 
I feel like we owe her an apology because we've been kind of making fun of her for the whole mm-hmm. podcast so far. <laughs> she's so she's actually really cool. Um, and she was really widely revered because she was considered to be the blueprint for young unmarried girls in ancient Greece. She's a diligent daughter who performed domestic tasks. Pindar actually stated she was the most beautiful of all the goddesses. And she usually was portrayed standing at Hera's side on Olympus. Hmm. She was also portrayed, and this is one of my favorite things. She's like really, really good girlfriends with Aphrodite. They like hang out all the time. And she was considered Aphrodite's like best friend and confidant and they're often Whoa. shown in art dancing with each other Aww. and she at certain points for official stuff would act as Aphrodite's herald and attendant oh that's cool yeah in a rare alternative myth Hebe was produced by Hera alone after she was impregnated after eating some lettuce at a dinner with Apollo <laughs> well that's the alternative that's the alternative <laughs> salad will get you pregnant every lettuce, time baby yeah that's it Now, um, anybody familiar with Egyptian mythology will know that lettuce can be a loaded symbol. So, and I use that play on words grossly. (laughs) A, A note on lettuce in ancient Greece. Eating lettuce was linked with impotence in ancient Greece, leading Plutarch to write that women should never consume the heart of a head of lettuce. It was also linked with death and rebirth as Aphrodite laid the dying Adonis on a lettuce patch to aid in his regeneration. However, it was mostly believed to aid menstrual flow and lactation, connecting it again with motherhood. Hmm. And then we have Hephaestus, the Olympian god of the forge, blacksmiths. I, I'm kind of spoiling this for his episode because I feel like everybody's like, yeah, he's the blacksmith god. Cool. He was actually way more than the blacksmith god. And I was really intrigued to learn this, his like full purview. So I'm spoiling this for that episode, but you might forget about it by then anyway. He was the Olympian god of the forge, blacksmiths, metalworking and metallurgy, carpentry, craftsmen, artisans, sculptors, and fire. That's pretty cool. Obviously, there's a difference here in the fire of the forge versus Hestia's fire of the hearth, but fire nonetheless. So he's definitely just like a mason. Yeah, probably. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. He crafted all the gods' weapons and many of their attributes. So if you're wondering, like, where did Hera's scepter come from? He most likely is the one who created it. And last but not least, out of all of her legendary children, we have Typhon. Does everybody remember Typhon? Yeah. Most commonly, the child of Gaia that she bore out of her spite to avenge the giants and Hecatonchires who Zeus had promised to free after their aiding the Olympians during the Titanomachy, the act of which sparked the Gigantomachy. Right? We all remember this? Mm-hmm. However, there is an alternate version where Hera wanted revenge on Zeus for Athena's birth. It's fucking serious with her about Athena's birth. Yeah, really. Not letting it go. No. So she went out and called to Gaia to give her a son as strong as Zeus, slammed her hand down onto the earth, and instantly became pregnant. Woo! She bore Typhon and gave him to Python to raise, and he became a great bane against all mortals. Wow. Now we get to talk a little bit about Mycenaean Greece. Hera is often forgotten or glossed over, and so is her importance to the ancient Greeks. However, there is significant evidence that she was the first god out of all of them that the Greeks built and dedicated an enclosed roofed temple to at Samos in 800 BCE. Her importance was further illustrated in other major building projects around the same time, including the Heraion. Her temple, instead of like the Parthenon, is the Heraion of Argos. These were the earliest examples of Greek monumental temples. 
In fact, in the Temple to Hera at Olympia, her seated statue predated the standing warrior statue of Zeus beside her. Wow, that's awesome. There's also major evidence that the Olympian Hera is a much diminished goddess. As in the Mycenaean period, she may have been on par, not exactly in purview, but in stature, to the Roman Juno. And her cult would have been widespread as votive offerings were found dedicated to her in Babylon and Assyria and have been found in modern-day Armenia, Iran, and Egypt. Wow. All of this evidence has led historians for centuries to conjecture about the possibility of a pre-Hellenic matriarchal culture that was toppled, and this was made symbolically congruent by her marriage to Zeus. Mm. However, these claims are often shaky and don't necessarily have enough evidence at this time. But people kind of feel like once we get enough evidence, that's what it's going to be. Because we're going to talk about this next week when we do Demeter and Persephone, but it's kind of the same story for Demeter. That, yeah. like, in Mycenaean Greece, it looks like they may have been great goddesses that were wow. fucking huge. And when I talk to you about what I'm going to go into next, which is I'm going to break down Juno for you, and you're going to see the difference between the two, it kind of seems like Hera was supposed to be what Juno is. Yeah, because I think also with some of the Mycenaean stuff, it's like there's like that dark period between Mycenaean Greece and like the, the Greek Dark Ages. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like somewhere in there, a bunch of shit changed. Yes. Um, and it seems like a lot of it was structural to like societal values. And that's why we see like the gods kind of show up the way they do in later Greece. Mm. Um, well, we don't have a ton of evidence that Mycenaean Greece was super patriarchal the way that Hellenic Greece was. Yeah. It's also, I think about, like, where her cult centers, where you said her cult centers just were, and then, like, thinking about other stories we know about from that period of time or that area, and it's like, yeah, cow god was a big thing. Yes. Um, like, very, and, like, you know. I mean, the Vikings people... were not the only people that measured wealth by cattle. Like, that yeah. is a real thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, like, across. Makes sense. Like, that's across Africa. That's across, like, and it's, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, that's super interesting because, like, even in the Bible, right? Like the concern about worshiping cows is mm-hmm. there. So it's like, it's, it's some, there's some deep evidence there. Um, there's definitely the way it's, it's kind of super clear. The proto Indo European continuum of Venus goddesses. Mm-hmm. And there's not as much clarity, but it definitely is a lot of evidence there for that same sort of continuum for cow goddesses. Yeah. You wouldn't have any pantheon without a cow goddess. It was there. You had it for the Egyptians. You had it for the Greeks. You had it for everybody. Yeah. Are we ready for the distinction? Are we ready to do Greek versus Roman? Yeah. (laughs) So Juno was truly a great goddess, what the Romans called Magna Mater. Juno and Jupiter are the most ancient and abiding of the Latin gods, maintaining their names throughout several iterations. They really never lost their stature and they never got diminished. They never got demoted. They have long been seen as the two supreme gods. She is a cosmic mother goddess, the queen of heaven and the stars, of gods and men, regal in all things. She was the protector and special counselor of the state. She was a daughter of Saturn, the wife of Jupiter, and the mother of Mars, Vulcan, Bologna, and Juventus. Juno was said to watch over all of the women of Rome. She was the patron goddess of Rome and the Roman Empire, and was worshipped as a member of the Capitoline Triad. Now, if you don't know this, remember I talked last week about groupings of gods? Yeah. 
entire cults in ancient Rome were based on different groupings of gods. So they had like their individual worship and then they had different types of group worship. And the triads were like the most important or at least the most venerated. And the most venerated of all was the Capitoline triad, which was venerated on the Capitoline Hill, one of Rome's seven hills. And it was sort of like the main one. And yeah. this is where you had Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva. And this is pretty obviously the foundation of the Trinity mm. of Christianity. Right. Like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is right there. Juno essentially had three domains. She did so, like, she had so many epithets. And, like, that's been a thing that historians have tried to figure out for a very long time. Why she has the amount of epithets that she has that literally touch on just about every area of life. But her main three things that she dealt with was sovereignty warfare and fertility for sovereignty as juno regina and juno meta she is the protectress and the tutelary goddess of the state in warfare she's juno cespius and juno caritas and juno Mineta again she's an armed protectress she bears a spear and goat skin and an aegis and then you have fertility she's juno mater and juno caritas again where she's the goddess of fertility and the wealth of a community. As Juno Lucina, her earthly and heavenly roles are demonstrated. In heavenly terms, she was associated with the cyclical renewal of the waxing and the waning of the moon, though she was not a moon goddess. In earthly terms, she is what her name Juno Lucina means. Lucina means bringer to light. And that was why she was the goddess presiding over childbirth, because she was guiding babies out of the womb. Interesting. Yeah, even the like moon, like the transition phases of the moon thing, kind of hints at order and structure rather than her being like a lunar goddess. Right now, on a larger scale, she is the patroness of all beginnings and is closely tied with Janus, who is the god that we mostly know for the new year. Who, fun fact, Janus uh, did not always have two male faces, one young and one old, um, like a bifrontal head. It actually originally the most archaic versions was either a young woman and an old man or just hmm. a woman and a man. Interesting. Oh. And so that's a divine androgen right there for you, Janice. Yeah. On a larger scale, she's the patroness of all beginnings as the Kalends, the first day of each month, was dedicated to her and rituals were performed on that day, which dictated the structure of the month that would follow. Because for the ancient Romans, you basically had three important days every month, right? You had the Kalends, which was the first. first. You had the Nones, which were usually the 7th or the 8th. And then you had the Ides, which were somewhere between the 13th and the 15th. Now, I say those were usually or somewhere between because they had to be literally cast every month. And mm -hmm. they were done under the guidance of Juno. Interesting. Mm-hmm. This was also exemplified in her role as a goddess of purification rites as Juno Februalis. Wow. She's covering the month a lot of, of territory. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Juno. And so when you start to think about it, you're like, holy shit, like this really was something like this is what there's a lot of evidence in Mycenaean Greece that Hera was. And then but whatever, it got kind of whittled down to just, whether, yeah. Yeah, whether it was matriarchal or egalitarian or whatever, it definitely got toppled for severe patriarchy. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the, the story around how their marriage came about in a second, and I think you're going to see exactly what I mean. Yeah. Just one side note, Etruscan version is Uni, who is much more like Juno. However, she's just a little bit more, how do I say, she's much more focused on the state. And sovereignty. Mm. She still has like some of these really cool things. She's a little less warlike, but she's definitely got a lot of the sovereignty bit. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about her marriage to Zeus, 
there's a lot of myths around it, but the most common ones say that it went down like this. Zeus falls in love with Hera and pursues her. She denies his first marriage proposal. One of the things you have to know about Hera is that she had a deep abiding love and empathy for animals. One of her most understated, but truly enduring and iconic attributes. And it was this that Zeus seized upon. Appearing to her one day as a cuckoo bird injured with a broken wing. Hera saw the bird and its plight, immediately picked it up, holding it fast to her breast to keep it warm and ease its distress, bringing it into her home, intent on like nursing the bird back to health. And that's when Zeus pounced, reverting to his god form, overpowering Hera and raping her. Hera was so consumed by grief and shame that when Zeus approached her with a second marriage proposal, she submitted to try and maintain some sort of pride. Yikes. Now, it is said on their wedding day, all of nature burst into full bloom and all the gods were in attendance presenting their finest gifts. But this supposed bliss was not to last. You see, Hera was powerless to stop her husband from his violent philandering ways. And he was constantly descending to earth and there's been a lot of talk about this, like, by historians and by academics of, like, why is Zeus the way he is, right? Other than, like, he's just, like, a trash-ass man. And the idea is that he wanted to propagate as many gods and heroes as he could. Because the more that he did, the more it would ensure his reign, because they would be loyal to him. That's annoying. This is some Dark Souls-ass shit. It's yeah, horrible. It's really awful. Now, she couldn't do anything about this. She can't stop him. He's the supreme god. She's the queen of the gods, but she has to sort of, like, answer to him. But what she could do was make Zeus watch as she mercilessly punished the women that he had taken up with and the children that he had produced as he was powerless to stop her. And so they basically had this really fucked up cold war for the ages that basically was the defining feature of their marriage. It's just so depressing. Yeah. It really stresses me out. They have a sad <laughs> relationship. Yeah. So, I mean, this defines a lot of her myths. Her main myths are the meeting and marriage with Zeus, the birth of Hephaestus, Ares, and other children through Parthenogenesis, and then persecution and punishment. Persecution of Zeus's lovers and victims, persecution of Heracles, um, which we're going to touch on, but we'll get into mostly in his episode. Persecution of Dionysus, which we'll definitely get into in his episode. The punishment of Ixion, which we already covered. Remember the guy who like had like lost his shit and Zeus was like, I guess a good dinner on Olympus will send him straight. And then he like pulls his dick out at dinner and is like, I'm going to oh, fuck yeah. Hera. And he's like, okay, bro, like you are going into hate to Tartarus you right can't now. can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. She assisted the Argonauts several times. She obviously is a key figure in the Judgment of Paris and in the Trojan War, where she, if you don't know this already, we are going to cover the Trojan War at some point in the future. But basically, when the Trojan War began, the gods of Olympus mostly just, like, chose sides. And, like, this dictated a lot of their relationships for a good long time. So, let's talk myths with Hera. And if you're going to talk myths with Hera, there has to be one abiding impetus, and that is Hera's wrath. So we're going to talk yeah. about <laughs> her victims, <laughs> some of whom survived her, some of whom did not. And we'll talk about uh, how we feel about it, I guess. So first up, and the top of the list has got to be Heracles. Yeah. Now, Hera <laughs> is the literal blueprint for the evil stepmother in the story of Heracles, which is ironic because if you haven't already caught on to the similarity, his name literally means glory of Hera. Yeah. 
from literally delaying his birth to attempting his murder directly after as an infant, Hera had it out for Heracles from the start. One of my favorite, much lesser-known myths occurs around this time. Zeus attempts to trick Hera into breastfeeding Heracles, vainly and ignorantly, hoping this will create in her some sort of maternal goodwill. Of course, she figures out this is not the baby that Zeus said it was and pulls infant Heracles away from her chest. In other versions, Athena convinces her to give it a shot, but Heracles bites her nipple, and that's that on that. Either way, she tears Heracles away from her chest her breast milk spurts out across the sky, creating a smear that we call today the Milky Way. Milky Way. Oh, that's that is so literally gross. the origin of the name. That's so weird. That's a really weird one. Uh huh. Heracles somehow makes it to adulthood in spite of Hera when she then goes on to drive him insane, causing him to murder his wife and children, the impetus for his famous labors. She worked against him during each of them, making them nearly impossible. So I didn't even know this stuff. When he was fighting the Lernian Hydra, Hera sends a crab to bite at his feet to try and distract him. <laughs> awesome. Dadfly. Awesome. Like what? It's not, It's the little things, you it's know? It's Yeah, it's just something to yeah. annoy you and like just get at you. Yeah. On a completely unrelated myth, um, she rallies the Amazons against him and- and they like almost kill him. That's a bigger. That's a bigger thing. <laughs> yeah. When Heracles stole away with the cattle of Geryon, it said that he shot Hera in the breast with his triple barbed arrow, which may have been dipped in the blood of the Hydra, as the wound was said to be incurable and left her in pain like forever. And in response, she sent a gadfly, which were apparently her specialty, to bother the cattle and make them scatter. And then she sent a flood so that he could not ford the river with them. Hmm. Uh, what? Yeah. That's a really complicated way of dealing with that. That's a lot. Now, it is said that she eventually came to accept Heracles after he saved her during the Gigantomachy from Porphyrion. Do you guys remember how we talked about in the Gigantomachy how there were the two brothers that were, like, stacking mountains on top of each other and climbing up to Olympus, and one of them was, like, talking mad shit about Zeus and saying, like, yeah. I'm going to fucking rape your wife and, like, going yeah. absolutely crazy. And then I was like, yeah, and then Heracles killed him. Don't ask why, because mortals don't happen yet, and you guys were, like, laughing. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but he... Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was that, just like, thinking that, too. What's he yeah. doing there? No, for sure he was there. Um, And basically, Porphyrion, the giant asshole, gets taken out. And because of this, she welcomes him to Olympus and even offers her daughter Hebe as his bride. This timeline is very confusing, but but yeah. I, I'm glad they make up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's Heracles. Wait, but he shot her. But she didn't die. She just got a wound that wouldn't heal. Yeah, yeah he I guess. Shot her. I know. <laughs> I, well, also, I couldn't find the full context of where and when and why he shot her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> but maybe somebody told him about what happened when he was a baby, like with yeah. the serpents and shit. And he fuck was just you. like, what the fuck? You know? So then we have the story of Echo. <laughs> Echo was an Oread, which is a mountain nymph that Zeus ordered to distract Hera when he was out destroying the lives of women. Every time that Zeus descended to Earth to gallivant and Hera became suspicious and attempted to pursue him, I guess during the Io myth, she had the day off. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Echo would appear at her side and distract her with compliments and flattery. Eventually, Hera 
caught wise about this. I'm sure. And in her rage, cursed her to lose her ability to speak freely, reducing her to only being able to repeat the words of others. Ah. Later, she was to tragically fall in love with Narcissus, but could only echo his own words as he fell in love with himself and wasted away beside the pond where he beheld his own reflection. Oof. Yeah. yeah, like, what a rough way to get revenge. <laughs> she takes no fucking prisoners, which is it's why I'm like, creative, you got though. shot in the titty and then sent to gadfly? Like, you, you have done a lot more for less. I don't understand what's going on. You made this guy kill his wife and children, but then he shoots you in the chest and you're like, yeah, okay, gadfly. I don't know. Like, are you? <laughs> it seems like you're phoning it in now, Hera. She was like, in, like, commit. an oddly good mood that day up until then, so she took it easy. I don't know. Or maybe, yeah. like, no one was picking up on her, like, Rolodex of revenge partners i don't know (laughs) all her flies that she calls yeah (laughs) i guess oh really quickly i just wanted to point out because i just think this is like interesting narcissus just like laid there gazing at himself until he eventually just like wasted away and it said that some god or goddess i don't know sometimes it's aphrodite sometimes it's somebody else in sort of pity turns him into a flower which is why we have the narcissist flower. Narcissist, yeah. mm-hmm. Do you guys know what the narcissist flower is called today in common parlance? No. Daffodil. Oh. I didn't oh, know is that. it really? That's what know. a narcissist flower is. Ha, huh, I totally oh. thought of it as different than that. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, so next we have Lamia. Now, Lamia was a queen of Libya whom Zeus had, quote unquote, loved. Hera transformed her into a fearsome beast and killed all of her children. Well, yeah. that'll work. Uh, there's an alternate version where she just kills all of her kids, and then the immense grief transforms her uh, into a beast. But as that beast, she's cursed with the inability to close her eyes so that she can always gaze at her dead children. Ooh. Ooh, that's dark. Yeah. Zeus decides to intervene and help her, making it so that she can take her eyes out so that she can get some rest every once in a while. Okay, that's just one solution. Yeah, so the Lamia was actually kind of a boogeyman in ancient Greece and was um, Lilith-esque because she was said to be so envious of other mothers that mm. she would hunt down and eat their children. That's that's fine. She's so fine if you wanted me. to get your kids in line in ancient Greece, you'd be like, the fucking Lamia's going to come and get you. Yeah. yeah. She usually has like a serpentine bottom half. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Then we have Garana. She was the queen of the pygmies. Now, just so that we're all clear... Pygmy is a pejorative term in the common context, but it is originally an ancient Greek word that was used to refer to some mythical tribe of little people that they had supposedly encountered either in India or Ethiopia. Their queen was named Garana, and she, being a fucking moron, because we know how this turns out, boasts to everyone that can hear her that she's more beautiful than Hera herself. Hera doesn't like that. (laughs) Hera gets real sadistic with this one and turns her into a crane? And then curses all of her descendants, her crane babies, to wage eternal war with the little people, the pygmies. Wow. That's just a weird If you don't know, cranes are really big birds. Yeah. Yeah, they're gigantic. So it's also kind of a diss to these people for being small. There's like giant birds attacking them. Really shitty. Then we have Kalani. The wedding of Hera and Zeus was, like I told you guys, like attended by all the gods and all the spirits and everybody. Apparently, this nymph named Kalani either acted a complete fool at the wedding and, like, got shit-faced. Either that happened or she didn't attend at all. Oh, well, well she was worse. making a really good album. 
She makes really good albums, so she's probably busy. Kalani. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what happens to her? Does Hera punish her? No, apparently Hera's pissed and, and and Zeus in like a rare moment of being like a toxic power couple that's like only I can malign my spouse, not you, transforms her into the first tortoise. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well. Huh. Uh then we have <laughs> one of my favorites on this list, which is Yinx, a sorceress nymph and daughter of Echo, who crafted a love charm of the same name, which she used to seduce Zeus. Some say she used this charm to seduce Zeus for Io. Io's everywhere. She's like in every myth. Yeah. She's like connected to everything. It worked. However, Hera intervened and turned her into a Rhineck bird, the symbol of passionate and restless love, which was called, the name for it was this. It had the same name, Yinks. I feel like you fuck it, you fuck shit up. You're just gonna get turned into a weird animal, like a fringe animal. That's not a it. cool. You're not gonna be turned into a cool animal. You're gonna be turned into something odd. Normally, when you're punished like this, you're turned into the first of whatever it is. There's right. a reason they some, didn't some exist before. Some grotesque thing that we think <laughs> right. like a tortoise is like normal now, but like at the time, it was like, what is this thing with these tiny chubby? It's legs a fucking dinosaur. A like hard <laughs> shell as a back, and yeah. Right. So when Yinks spelled I Y N X was translated to Latin, it became J I N X, the source of our English word jinx. It's said that this was the charm that the famous Cleopatra used to seduce Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, and Augustus successfully. Wow. Worked pretty well. Huh. Yeah. And then, my friends, we have the final myth that is about her punishments. And it is my favorite. It <laughs> almost was the, the mini-sode because I could spend all the time talking about this figure. It is... Finally time on our Greek mythology podcast for us to talk about Tiresias. Originally, Tiresias was a priest of Zeus, and he's best known for embodying the archetype of, and he possibly may have been like the original incarnation of the blind seer or the blind prophet. Mm, awesome. His main myth is his origin story, and it's told two ways. So it's time for Choose Your Own Adventure! <laughs> <laughs> Version 1. <laughs> it is said that one day, Tiresias, a priest of Zeus, was walking and came upon two snakes who were copulating. For whatever reason, he struck the pair with a stick and was instantly changed into a woman. <laughs> what? What? Why? <laughs> That's what he fucking gets. That's how you grow into a serial, like a serial killer if you do stuff like that. That's like sign number two of a growing serial killer. Like, what on I like earth? It's totally, like, one... Being anything of Zeus and being a woman is probably a punishment. In which case, like, but I want to know, like, was it just like, oh, if this is like one of those laws of nature where, like, if you happen to see two copulating snakes and you hit them, you turn into a woman, or if it's like, yes, did he know uh, that though? No, no, he just was like, fuck these snakes having sex, and then was like, oh shit, yeah, and then and looked down and he had boobs. That's it. Yes. Yep. Wow. Wild. What a if weird only, day for him. I just <laughs> wish transition was that easy. Just yeah, find exactly. two fucking snakes and just be like, fucking and then you're like, oh, yes, I've got a pussy. I'm ready. You know, like, that's just great. <laughs> but you'd have to just, like, kill a bunch of random animals in weird ways to figure out which one was the key. Like, it's how, sacrifice, how you... baby. It's yeah. all about sacrifice. This We're is gonna, not like, easy. You gotta start experimenting. I mean, that's I it. I wouldn't have known. There's not even, like, really obvious symbolism there, per, per no. se. Like, it's no. kind of totally <laughs> random. 
It's just every time you see any animals fucking, you just fucking, grab a switch just and just go it. to town. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, Lupercalia. Yeah. Something, yeah. something, something. <laughs> right. Now a woman, Teresius becomes a priestess of Hera. She married and bore several children, including a daughter named Manto, who went on to be renowned for her gift of prophecy. After seven years, Terencius once again came upon two snakes in the throes of passion and either trampled them to death with her feet to regain his manhood or spoke a blessing over them and remained a woman. That could have been the whole ordeal right there. That's a great myth. However, around this time, Zeus and Hera had gotten into a very fierce debate. Who derives more pleasure from sex, a man or a woman. Oh, no. Zeus claimed it was women. Hera claimed it was men. They then called on (laughs) Teresius, as she was the only mortal said to have experienced both in their fullness. Her answer? Do you guys want to guess what the answer was? Did she answer, like, specifically one or the other? Yes. It's got to be men. Just knowing Hera, I feel like she sided with Zeus and said women and got fucked up for it. Her answer? quote of 10 parts a man enjoys only one damn (laughs) so apparently a man has one tenth of the enjoyment during sex wow Hera instantly struck her devoted priestess blind for her impieties there it is there it is I guess you're right. We could have seen that one coming. They had, right. She had to disagree with her. That's that's unkind, Daphne. We could have seen that one coming. She just Woo! got made blind. That's true. <laughs> Zeus could do nothing to remedy this curse, but he did bless her with the gift of prophecy and seven lives or the lifespan equivalent to seven lives. Teresius came to be known as the prophet par excellence with the ability to understand the language of birds and could divine the future using fire and smoke and could conjure up the dead. But still knows nothing about sex. No. <laughs> Version 2 Tiresias was a common man who one day stumbled upon the goddess Athena as she was bathing and was struck blind in retribution <laughs> His mother was Chiriclo a nymph and attendant to Athena who begged her to undo the curse She could not but instead she sat Tiresias down and cleaned his ears with the first ever q-tips I guess and thus <laughs> blessed him then after which he could understand bird song and got the gift of augury Wait so oh. no trans stuff there like nothing no, he, was, he no. was just a guy the whole no, time. yeah. Just, I was like waiting uh, for that part of the story and it just doesn't no, come. No. No. Huh. There's an alternate version which has Teresius assigned female at birth, changing sex a total of six times with full lives as mother and warrior, and sometimes both, and ending life as a wizened old crone of indeterminate gender. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, that's, that's goals that's right there. And that's, that's my well, plan. <laughs> tell me if you still feel that way after this. This version also states that Tiresias was invited to settle the debate between Zeus and Hera by joining them in a threesome. (laughs) Absolutely the fuck not. Uh, Yes. Hell yes. During which they took turns transforming Tiresias into multiple genders in order to play all roles and be able to effectively answer the wager. Consensually or no? Yes. Consensually, this is how I have sex. This is like you're describing my sex yes. life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would I'm... be so much more down if it wasn't Zeus and Hera and they had so much hate to fuck out of each yeah, other. Yeah, but that's who like, you want. You want to be the guest star. Though. You want to be the guest star in that one. You don't want to be no, in the relationship. I don't know if you've ever been in a threesome, but you do not want to be in a threesome with two people who are in love with each other because it is a mess. But you want to be the one not in love with the people. Right. 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 It's, you, you don't want, be the want one... them to no, be no. obsessed with each other. That's not good. 
I mean, unless it's but then, then not a threesome, then it has to be a little more arranged. But yeah, I mean, right, I think right. this sounds very fun. This is like very evil threesome. I would be in this. I'm signing myself up right now. I don't trust that at all whatsoever. But then oh, you they're, can just, gonna, they're going to you, fuck you, just you piece silly out. looking at the other one. Like, I can do it better than you. Look at how much pleasure I'm giving this. Human. You're going to have like, the best the, sex ever. It's yeah. going to be great. You're going to have your mind. Yeah. And they incinerate people when they when they forget that they do that. Like, I'm good. Get me out. Oh, I think it's true. Wor- worth it, though. Like, they're worth transforming it. you to what they think this argument is. I don't know. Like, getting immolated while coming no. might uh, be a thing I, that I, I could be I'm into. I'm still so signed up for this one. You did not just say that was hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hot. So here's what you need to know. Tiresias was a deeply complex figure who straddled many concepts and ideas and apparently some gods. They were a mediator <laughs> between various binaries and polarities, and they were lauded for both their prophecies and their wisdom, both of which were attained through their transformations. They mediated between humanity and the gods, male and female, the blind and the sighted, the present and the future, and the world of the living and the world of the dead. Tiresias was deeply important to ancient Greece and made appearances in numerous myths. Their life was actually used as an allegory for seasons by certain storytellers. During spring, the virile male strikes the snakes. In summer, the newly transformed woman comes into her prime. In Mm -hmm. autumn, the reverted male is asked to judge the debate. And in winter, the blinded Tiresias is made a woman again by Hera. Zeus would then bless her with oracular powers and make her a man again, beginning the cycle anew. It should be noted that Tiresias was often depicted as a sacred androgen who was beloved by Hermes above all. Mm. They were able to shapeshift at will, turning into many different animals. And when it was finally time for them to die, they were carried by Hermes to the underworld and presented to Hades and Persephone, who anointed them their chosen mediator between the living and the dead. Yeah, where along this, because that all, I didn't know a lot of that about Tiresias, but like, where does their interaction with Odysseus, like, when he goes down into the underworld mm-hmm. to, like, get the message. Like, where along that path? Is this after? I'm assuming this is after. This would be after. And also, their rank is definitely... I'm going to use they, them. Their rank is sort of indi- indicated because if you remember in the story of Odysseus when the shades are all called up, they have to drink the blood of the sacrifice before they can talk. Right. Except Tiresias. Oh, yeah. Tiresias doesn't have to drink the blood and doesn't end up drinking the blood. Hmm. And so is also, in this case, sort of seen as, like, the one who's facilitating this interaction. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not all bad, though. Hera also gives blessings. (laughs) So we have Kaidippi, who was a priestess of Hera, who was on her way to a festival in honor of the goddess. She had no animals to pull her cart, but her sons, Beton and Cleobus, were known for their strength, and they volunteered to pull the cart the entire way, knowing what it meant to their mom. They pulled the cart an estimated eight kilometers. Wow. Mm -hmm. She was so impressed with her son's devotion that she called out to Hera, asking her to bless them with the greatest gift a god could give. Hera responded by blessing her sons so that they would die in their sleep after a fruitful, joyous life. Oh. Yeah. That is the best gift you could give, I guess. Isn't that nice? You get to live a long, happy life. If you're mortal. You you go after you take a nap. You know? It's nice. You don't have to worry, stress about it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Hera's priesthood, because according to Athenaeus, Hera's priests in many places, but especially in Samos, were very effeminate, very gender variant, wearing, quote, snowy tunics that swept the floor of wide earth, arm bracelets, which were, quote, wrought with cunning, and headpieces cast from gold, which, quote, surmounted them like cicadas. Wow. 
the cicadas thing. That's cool. I think that's really yeah. cool. These priests slash priestesses, they grew their hair in long, elaborate braids decorated with gold ribbons. There's evidence that they also may have practiced a similar castration-based ritual of devotion that the Galli did in honor of Kybele, who awesome. I told you guys about. Yeah. Gender variance didn't end there, as it was in Hera's honor, no other goddess, and there's quite a few that would fit the bill, that the Herea Games were founded, the very first sanctioned women's athletic games in ancient Greece. Wow. Oh, cool. Sporty mm-hmm. Spice. <laughs> yeah, Sporty Spice! <laughs> the main event was this stadion, which was a foot race held among the Parthenoi, which were unmarried young women, in three different age brackets. Runners wore a very distinctive look, a knee-length chiton, which left out the right shoulder and breast, and loosed hair, which, if you don't know, was, like, incredibly uncommon. You might as well have been naked if your hair was loose. Mm. You never see... Anybody except for, like, naked Aphrodite on a fucking shell with her hair, like, loose and wave and, like, flowing. You always had to have your hair, like, kind of back or up. Yeah. The winner of the contest was crowned with olive leaves, and a portion of the cow, which had been sacrificed to Hera at the opening of the games, was served to them. The winner was also expected to dedicate a statue inscribed with their name to Hera. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like literally, yeah, that's dope. Isn't that there's cool? Trophies, there's a trophies, there's a, there's a barbecue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The festival was presided over by 16 women who conducted the games. They would also come together to weave an elaborate peplos, which was the classical Greek women's garment, which would then adorn Hera's statue. And these would be changed out every year. Cool. This sent me down into like an entire rabbit hole where I found out like that was actually super common for several of the goddesses. Uh, the most elaborate and most involved, of course, was Athena's because Athena's the goddess who invented weaving. Mm. So they wouldn't just do like a beautiful garment. They would actually weave like scenes into it. Oh, like, wow. Cool. cool. Yeah. And it got changed out every year. And like that stayed on in the temple, which I think is just like fucking wild. They also would arrange choral dances in her honor. Um, um, that they would have performed by the young girls. Also honored were Hippodamia and Fiskoa. The former was said to have founded the games. Do, do we remember the name Hippodamia? Does that ring a bell? It sounds familiar, but I don't quite remember. Maybe so a well. suspicious chariot race? Oh, was that oh, that guy? Right. The guy? Hippodamia was the random princess. Oh, yeah, the pr- yeah, the, the princess. princess is like, hey, take all the stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And- yes. <laughs> so it's said that Very Hippodamia stupid. actually founded the games at the celebration of her wedding to Pelops. Oh, yes, there that it is. Pelops. Yeah, right. There was once a dispute between Ellis and Pisa, and the citizens of Ellis selected the oldest, wisest women in each of their 16 towns to settle the argument. These 16 women went on to organize the Horea each year and then handed it down to whoever succeeded them as the oldest, wisest women. That's like a really cool tradition. Isn't that great? That is really cool. Yeah. That, my friends, is what I've got to share with you on Hera. I loved this because it's totally not all the shit that we expected to hear, like about her being so jealous and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like it's in there, but there's so much other stuff going on. You know? Yeah, I think yeah, she it's... gets a bad rap for being kind of two-dimensional. Because she like, is, you know... I mean, obviously, she has reason to be jealous and, like, kind of pissed off. And, like, she's married to fucking Zeus. Like, it's going to come with the territory to a certain extent. 
For but, sure. I mean, in a lot of ways, different gods were meant to actually be sort of the blueprint by which, you know, there's that whole thing overall that the gods are definitely not to be aspired to, right? That they're like a cautionary tale. Yeah. But some of them, like we saw with Hebe, they are sort of setting the example, right? There's mm -hmm. no things about Hebe being like, you know, deceitful or evil or anything like that. She's like super on the up and up. She's real cool. She does her job. It's kind of propaganda for young women, but whatever. Yeah, So. But <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing is, is that I definitely think that there is something to the fact that, like, if you look at this deeply misogynistic culture who hated women and saw them as like an imposition that were only uh, viable in any way because they could produce children, then obviously the great goddess of the Pantheon, who's supposed to be the queen and is married to the Supreme God, is only going to be there to ride his fucking back and yeah. be like yeah. a shrieking harpy shrill bitch of a wife. Of course they saw that as that what a wife is, right? So it's easy mm -hmm. to characterize her that way and make her this two-dimensional misogynistic fucking cartoon character. It kind of makes sense to me. It's also like, I think this made me look at her less as Zeus's wife and more as Zeus's sister. Mm. Because I think like in some of the ways they interact, like I, I think up until recently, like, it's mostly just thinking of her as his wife, which, like, has a level of, you know, bullshit to it. Yeah. But I think once it's, like, oh, also, like, his sister, right? Um, and in some of the ways they fight, in some of the ways that they, like, like just the way they solve their own problems, right? Um, it makes the, the conflict so much worse and so much more complicated, um, which I think lends a lot to... Uh, lends a lot more to Hera. It's kind of hard to remember that they're brother and sister because, like, we all know that on some level and it's deeply uncomfortable and, like, gross and we don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. And also, it's, like, which gods are not in an incestuous relationship? It's yeah. very hard to find. But thinking you know of them I mean? as twins is actually really useful. I think it definitely says a lot. Yes, like, absolutely. And brings her power level up. Like, makes the conflict is always still going to be the same and still there, but there is something about that that's like, oh, that's also part of it. Yeah. I think is a lot of the idea that they kind of nullify each other, they can't ever actually win either one. They can't land on the same. They can't connect. Like, oh, does she tech? Is she technically less powerful than him? I guess if you're following yeah. these like deeply misogynistic tellings. But he never has the ability, and he does for any other god, to thunderbolt them, to yeah. banish them, to any of that. And there is, in many versions, a period in which she finally has enough and walks away. And he can't do anything about it. He has to, like, resort to basic fucking stupid trickery and, yeah. and prey on her apparently incredibly undeveloped emotions. Uh, and emotional intelligence to get her back, which, like, yeah, okay, that's, like, telling you more about you than it is her as the storyteller. But, like, yeah, it's this thing of, like, they apparently are equal in stature. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's wild. And she wouldn't have as much patience for his fucking antics if she was his twin sister. She's mm -hmm. like, fuck you. Like, you, why do you get away with, like, this isn't okay. I'm not just, some, like, some chick you found. You know what I mean? I wasn't some bigger mm -hmm. girl that you, like, brought up and made a queen. I'm your twin. Like, I've been here from the beginning. I don't know. I, mm, right. I find it also. I find it also really like you know. It's like the idea with her is like, why does she? I know she can't really punish 
Zeus that much, so she has to punish all the, like, fuck his poor fucking, like, rape victims and, like, people he's accosted and their babies and stuff. And it's, like, that seems really petty, and that's, like, one of the kind of annoying things about her, I guess, is that seems really, like, childish. And, like, come on, it's not their fault. Like, you're really misdirecting this. But I found it interesting, the story about their marriage, that, like, the fact that Zeus kind of did fuck her over too. And then she was like, well, I guess marrying him is okay. Cause it'll like save face. Like, I guess the idea that their marriage is a little bit of like a weird sort of sad sham to begin that he with. That coerced her into it. Absolutely. Right. But that, but also that she felt like, it's really sad how internalized that is for, it. it's like, she felt like, well, at least now, I guess now that he's like molested me, if I like, if I marry him, at least I won't seem that pathetic. That's like a really sad, that seems very telling. And then, and then it's like, well, you, you have s- to ask yourself, why would you have the two prime supreme gods in a pantheon have their relationship play out that way in the dynamic between a man and a woman in a culture, unless you needed to have that be the narrative that right. women should look up to yeah. in the woman in the woman who is literally a great goddess who presides over married women, who presides over marriage, who presides over childbirth, the family and all of those things will if she sets the example well if a man rapes you then take your shame let him manipulate you and then marry him marry him and it won't look so bad for you maybe you can get back some of your like you know dignity dignity but and then it's I, like, jesus yeah i mean that's awful and then i think it's interesting because then when she is sort of taking out her frustrations on his due to his behavior on the basically the other victims you know like the people on the right. other side that seems really shady until you think about their whole history. And then it seems sad, but it seems like I could see why she would think that might work because it's like, look what happens. Like if you go fucking like rape that girl and have a baby with her, I'm going to torture them. I'm going to torture your baby and I'm going to torture the girl. So don't rape people because like I'm going to fuck with them. But that only works if Zeus has empathy, which he obviously doesn't. doesn't. So it's like, she's just stuck in this loop where she's like, it's like the criminal justice system. It's like, is this going to dissuade you from doing this? It's like, no, of course not. It's not going to dissuade. The, it, it's not. That isn't what it's doing. All it's doing is making the whole situation worse. It's not making it go away. He's not going to stop doing it. But now you're torturing double the amount of people just to, like, prove a point. You know, and if only I but I feel like I understand why she, she has think that she has no recourse, though. Right. What she's like, supposed to do. The, the sort of abiding principle with her is that sort of like that pride and that dignity. And so I think there is a level to where it's like, okay, you're going to do this and it brings shame on me. So I'm going to obliterate the evidence of it. Right. And I'm going to make sure that everybody knows if you fuck around, you'll find out. And hopefully eventually level. you'll feel bad eventually. Like and, eventually and you'll feel bad. Cause so many people are getting obliterated because of your fucking like or, infidelities. Or maybe, and- maybe she's trying to like fuck with his pride of like right. everything you do. I contradict. Yeah, and you we'll don't. You, you never get to like actually do it. You do it, you and then it's it, a shit show. I am going to be the fly in the ointment every fucking time that yeah. you do this. And that's sad and to show think she's obviously not all powerful. Yeah, but then it's sad that she's so powerful and so and could be so useful, and like that's what her power is like, sort of like dumped down into being. Like she ends up having to use her power just to fucking negate all his bullshit. It's like so. It's such a petty. It's very sad that that's her. It like it is. Lot. It is. But it's five thousand years ago. Yeah, (laughs) it's 5,000 years ago, and it is what it is in the way that I see it almost as like, what if in that society, in that time, the most radically feminist act that a woman could do is contradict a man? Just like constantly, yeah. Literally at every point, I'm undermining you. 
Well, it, like, show, it shows her power. I mean, obviously, because you know I mean? he can't stop her from doing that. Well, if you think about creation in general, who is everyone more afraid of their wrath out of any god? They're going to be the yeah. most afraid of hers. Her. You yeah. know what I mean? Because she fucking does not she hold back. She doesn't let shit is, slide either. She's there like, is no going beyond the pale. Oh, yeah. If you slide her in any way, she's coming not for you, not just for you. She'll kill all your fucking children because you said you were prettier than her. Like, yeah. she's happy to do it. You know what I mean? She's just, so, that's her MO now. She's just on, a, like, she's on yeah. the cycle. It's like, she's like, I don't care. I killed like seven people this morning. I'll kill right. you for, I don't, because you I ate the last slice you of in. pizza. Like, for yeah. anything. Yeah. It's wild, and a lot of times it's disproportionate, one way or Very. another. Like, yeah. you shot they, me in the fucking chest, enough. and yeah. I'll send a gadfly? Like, so I think a lot of it actually speaks to the fact that, like, there all of these stories are told by men. That we mentioned the Greek Dark Ages um, early on, and it is really important to remember that, like, Homer is telling these stories, like, literally during the Greek Dark Ages, like, coming yeah. out of them, For when, sure. like, there is none of the, what we think of as ancient Greece, a lot of that hasn't happened yet. Um, and so it's, that's why so many stories about the founding of a city. It's not about, like, how great the city becomes, it's about the founding yeah. of the yeah. city, because this is why this shit hasn't here. happened yet. Yeah. yeah, like, so that's the thing, is that you have all these stories told by men, who are not very literate, who don't have a lot going for them, and who genuinely see women as a burden, as a necessary burden. And so, of course, there's not going to be a lot of room for character development that we would want in 2021 for this goddess. But it also sort of begs the question of, like, why? Because other civilizations have gone through, like, similar struggles, and their goddesses are not this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it almost is like, well, wait, why is it uniquely this? And then, uh, you know, the thing for me that's so staggering is the comparison and the contrast between her and Juno. Juno, yeah, it's so different. But I think for both why in other cultures and the difference between her and Juno is like how people are conceptualizing social order mm. and how it needs to be maintained, right? Because even with the idea of loose hair, Right, that is a certain degree of control that keeps people in a certain social order. Right, and so like the way the myths work, the way all of this stuff. It, again, we've said this a lot. Just like it communicates how things should be theoretically, mm. even if um, these are not exact examples to follow. Mm. But it also well, for me, the, about in that case though, in what you're saying, it's not that the gods are to be followed or not followed. It's just sort of known on every level. They're the exception. You're, right. you're immortal, so take from the story the rest of it. Don't fucking worry about what the gods are doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, the other thing, too, is, like, us kind of pushing back a little bit against the way that we think about history in the sense of, like, our thoughts being more advanced than thoughts back then. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we have different things that affect the way that we, we think about stuff, but, like, I, I think about, like, the, the stories for me, they kind of bring up this idea of Hera as, like, Stuck not just in her marriage to Zeus, but, like, look at the rest of her siblings, right? Hades might have gotten screwed, but gets to go away, have his own domain, and not have to deal with Zeus's bullshit. Poseidon gets to go away, have a really good marriage and a bunch of kids that he takes care of, um, and not have to really deal with Zeus. Um, Hestia yeah, ulti ultimately, le theoretically, leaves Mount Olympus. Is like, nah, that's just for the birds not having to deal with Zeus's bullshit. 
right? So it's like she's the closest by proximity to all of the terribleness that of that Zeus does. Knows the most. Who's she of gonna it, talk mostly. to? And Athena, yeah, exactly. who's Zeus's biggest fucking fan and whose birth like was a fucking middle finger in her face. She can't right, talk like, to anybody. It's like a thing of like none of you all helped me. And none of, I know none of you all can, but at the same time, none of you all helped me, right? Um, Which is why must... I do appreciate Gaia as a sympathetic ear to her, because yeah. that is kind of a thing. But also, Gaia is what Gaia is. Gaia is not yeah. necessarily going to be like, yeah, girl, like, I'll help you out every step of the way. Like, yeah. Sorry, I'm still, the Earth. Like, like I'm a I'm, little I'm busy. Busy you know? being the Earth. Well, yeah. That and to some degree, all of that situation is kind of like, well, y'all fucked around and threw everybody off the other mountain. So, like, right. yeah, this, this is what happens. This is the shit y'all wrought. Like, yeah. I can't really, I can be as nice as I can to you, but like, you wanted this. Like, your generation did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, like with the fates and everything, it's like, that's kind of confusing because it's like everyone's uh, beholden to the fates. And so it's kind of like they're the ultimate boss to some degree. Yeah. But um, it's, yeah, it's kind of a thing of like, if we go back to all of this being written by men, what does it mean for the fates to write this um, mm. for Zeus and Hera? Mm. Um, Interesting. And like, you know, Hera's being around for so long, seeing so much of the, the bullshit in Zeus and like has to know about that relationship with the with the fates as well. So like it's also like, damn, not even the fates are gonna help me with this. Like this is my lot because it is, right? Well the like fates that... definitely aren't gonna intervene, that's for fucking right. sure. You know so what I mean? Like, Whatever's a, happening, it's... apparently they already determined that. It already is what it so, is, yeah. yeah. So it's like that's it like and to be a great goddess and know all of that and still kind of have to act within the wheel. Right, like yeah. that must be incredibly infuriating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it, I, there's so many ingredients there for that are a recipe for like incredible bitterness that you really can't help but empathize with it. That it's like, well, fuck, if that was me, I think I'd probably kill more people. You know yeah, what she, I mean? She like, got pretty shafted in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Like. So it's it's really rough, like um, trying to figure out like why these goddesses are doing these seemingly anti-woman things, which it's like, well, then how how do I contextualize that? Do I contextualize that in the culture, the time period, the writers, the pantheon, the morals, the values, the ethics, the value of women, or how women were treated in their stature in society? Like, there's all of these different possible factors that can intersect yeah. and then add up to like. Yeah, I guess it does make sense that she would do that, you know? Yeah, and that's complex to the same degree that a lot of our, even our stories we're telling today are thinking about those things, mm-hmm. right? So, like, it's not unreasonable that, like, in the creation of the myths, some of that, like, if it was happening in families, if it was happened to a cousin or on a play or something like that, that it's not also going into, um, you know, the way that people are, are crafting these stories, not just at their origin, but as they change and become older become more recited and people start adding to them as well Mm -hmm. well that was like when we i think early on we talked about game of thrones um at one point and i think there was something about Hera being someone and i was like wouldn't that be catelyn stark because of how she treats Jon snow you know what i mean because like i to me that's that's exactly hercules like you are never letting anybody live down for a second that this is a bastard son you have every opportunity nobody fucking cares like you could totally just be chill with this kid or like neutral, but you have to like actively hate him because you're this imperious woman 
who is for all rights and purposes and, and you know whatever like the queen of your area and your sphere and this is a mark on you for some reason it's like a mark of shame that you did something wrong when you didn't and like the way that you write it is by punishing the kid like I think that doesn't make sense it's a i think it's a lot worse though in hera it's an oh, it's sure. an ever oh, for sure for hera it's a never-ending part of their relationship catelyn stark mm-hmm. is a, is a bit of a bitch because she literally won't like he's ned is like obsessed with her and totally devoted to her and it was like a fucking and they have a, great a long time and a happy ago family and that she won't let thing go yeah while he was so, at war i feel like that's different i feel like hera would let that go hera doesn't let it go because it's continual it's oh, her. Yeah. It's the entire yeah. relationship. She's not. It's not like she's being stubborn. There's a stubbornness for me with in Game of Thrones that situation that like doesn't that that's much less sympathetic. It's much more insecure and like unsympathetic. Whereas with Hera, it's like I don't know that Hera's insecure. She's just like this is like my torture. This is like constant. This is this not. Is, yeah. I can't forgive you or get over it because you're gonna do it again tomorrow. Like like there are just, literally kids being born almost every day. Constantly. We're in, like yeah. because of this. This yeah, is just what absolutely. our relationship is. And a bunch of them live in our house. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have to share Olympus with your fucking with offspring your fucking that had nothing to kids. do with me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At least the the Athena thing. I, I wonder if the Athena thing is is as like a goddess who also presides over childbirth. I wonder if it's like a thing of like you I, have subverted the natural subverted order in my things. eyes yeah. or something. Like you I, cut me out because it's he didn't cheat on her. He didn't, because Metis right. was his first wife, yeah, and so that didn't that was not him being unfaithful, but it is this thing that is like such a thing that sticks she on her that she so cannot much. let it go, yeah. and then it's like, oh, we're having kids on our own. Fine, I'm gonna go fucking have kids on my own, and then she either like her rage births Aries, or she gets. For some reason, Flora is involved sometimes with like Hephaestus's birth and gets this magic flower and touches it to her belly, and then she's fucking. Has Hephaestus, but Hephaestus, it is this weird thing. Again, this like moralistic condemnation of women that's like, oh yeah, she was able to have a baby on her own, but he's crippled. And then like she's disgusted and takes him and throws him off Olympus. You know what I mean? And so there's that. Or it's heavy because of the lettuce thing, or it's whatever. And it's like, bro, what are you trying to prove? Like, I don't understand why you're doing this. Is it because you're like, hey, my only fucking value in life is my womb, and you've now taken that from me too? Yeah. I Yikes. always, and well, not always. I think as I learned about who Metis was mm. and, like, the stories around Metis, like, the stories about Zeus eating her or, you know, but there's also, the like, conceptually, like, subsuming her, like, her being. Her wisdom. Right? Yeah. Which and, doesn't show if it happened. But... If like I think about it in a few different ways, one one of them being like, like not necessarily the wisdom of Obathala, but the wisdom of like Odin, who would use it to be terrible to people. Mm. Um, and then I think about it as like, or at least when he's subsumed it, he can use it for that. But then I think about it in terms of like his, like if we think about it in conceptual unions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, his union with Metis goes way better than his union with Hera. Um, and there's no stories uh, of them having any issues with their marriage. The yeah. only thing is, is that he's threatened by her brilliance. Yeah. And then decides he's going to handle that the way he does. Just so just it, for context, everybody, we're talking about the Titaness of wisdom um, who he gets into that like shape changing 
battle with the Mad Madame Mim Merlin bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And then she becomes a fly. He's a bird. He eats her. He eats but her. she was already pregnant. And then that's how Athena comes out of his head, which we'll talk about in her episode. But like, there, that was his first wife. And there's no stories of him doing any of the shit that he does. Right. That are like his so defining characteristics later on. It, it kind of feels like Zeus, Zeus had his first girlfriend that like made him look at himself. And he just never recovered and just feels like, nah, I'm not trying to do that shit. I'm a fuckboy now. Yeah, that's a classic um, archetype. <laughs> and, like, Athena is, like, the kid that comes from that first union before Zeus was who he was to Hera. And so it's not only just, like, you disregarded all of the stuff that I have the purview of and, like, did this without me. But it's also, like, I get the version of you after mm. Athena. Mm. Whereas Meta's got the version of you that made Athena. So right. Athena like represents when a time when maybe he was pure or you know like pure of intention when and like marriage or yeah when he when, was who he was with him, which yeah, you could absolutely see with Ares because if Ares is not the kid she has on her own, they produce Ares. They and produce Ares, Ares and right? Athena and are literally posited as opposites like yeah. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like yeah. this so, is the two ways you could do war. One of yep. them is going to work out for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, that's the thing with Ares. He literally is not just a fucking flagrant asshole. He literally brings shame upon himself because he, like, ends yeah. up losing in battle. And there's this moment that he goes back. He, like, retreats back to Olympus. And fucking Zeus, like, castigates him. And is like, you're hated by the mortals. You're hated by the yeah, gods. You're Yikes. disgusting in my sight. Such a you're a coward. Like, you know, you're this, that, and the other. And you're like, holy shit. Like, w meanwhile, Athena is like daddy's little girl who mm. can do no wrong, who is, you know, and don't get me wrong. Athena has a mean streak a mile wide that we're going to talk about in her yeah, That's because she's part of Zeus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Zeus baby. But I mean, that, it's like, that whole thing Athena, of goddess is doing anti-women shit. We're going to have to cover again and tackle again when we get into Athena's episode, especially when it comes to Medusa. Because when I yeah. found out oh, the man. real context of that story, yeah. I was like, bro, I'm not dealing with this goddess on any terms. Yeah. Like, that was the severance for me as well. Because mm -hmm. uh, Athena was my favorite goddess and or god uh, when I was little. Yeah, like um, it, it was I for me kind of. And, but, Medusa. like, I still always had, like, a lot of reverence for her on some level. And then I found out about that, and I was like, whoa, no thanks. Not at all in any way, shape, or form. But then I had to think about it, and I was like, well, why would she do that? If she's, like, a free-thinking, has agency, like, could do whatever she wanted goddess, why would she go about it this way? And yeah. then it was like, well, is this does exactly she? what happened? Yeah. Or does she? Is she? Right? Because then again, you have to, again, go back to who was telling the story, what were yeah. they trying to achieve by it? Yeah. Because Aesop wasn't the only one who had morals to his stories. I mean, you look at the way that they were structuring it, whether it was Homer, whether it was Hesiod, they weren't just, like, reporting. They were right. trying to relay the morals and the values of the time and of the people that were dictated entirely by the men. And so, yeah, it's, it's wild to see. And it's also a story about a, like a powerful woman who gets her own city. So it's still, in order for that to exist, it still has to be tied to the power of men in some way or else you get people flying off the fucking handle. Yeah. And I think to the point, uh, to like Ares and Athena, it's like Ares is the, I, I can't help but look at Donald and Melania when I think of Hera and, 
and Zeus in terms yeah. of their relationship. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, uh, Ares is the kid that came after the new marriage and is after the success and after Zeus is kind of settled in his ways. So he's just like this terrible, unregulated, like no one really he's parents the extra him kid. because yeah. he grew up, yeah. in, uh, grew up in a palace yeah. like type shit. Whereas like Athena is like the, oh, back when I like had empathy and was a person, um, mm-hmm. this is my kid from then. So not only do you represent maybe there is some good that I had at some point, but you also low-key are just Metis now. Yeah. In terms of my eyes and in terms of probably the eyes of Hera. Like, I just, you've just become Metis right. in a way that, like, um, both in role and then also just in representation of, like, who my allegiance is and who I have compassion for. Oh, it kind like of that. is Ivana Trump and Ivanka Trump, too. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, it Ooh. absolutely can It totally be. is, I mean, yeah. The cow-eyed thing, I think, has always been interesting because, like, I think for us it sounds kind of like an insult, but I think... Uh, then it was like actually like a pretty prized feature. Yeah, like, um, they also have beautiful um, eyes. Like, Cows have they really do have beautiful, yeah, eyes. gorgeous eyes. Yeah, I think like we see as a like, cow face. Yeah, ah, but it's really like no, actually cows are really pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and like given their value right at the time, they were like hugely yes. prized. So it's like yeah. do we call cow faces like literally like like a million bucks, right? Yeah. Um, so I just like I think that's cool too. Yeah, like, you look like money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you look like a like, million bucks. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like regardless of how much shit she had to go through, she also still had like the whole gold, white gold like thing going on. She had the garden. Like peacocks are sick. Like um, I think like that part of her not because like you know you hear all this stuff and it kind of puts this like old maybe or like older or grizzled woman um who's just like frowning all the time in your head but it's like no she's beautiful and shouldn't have had to deal with all this <laughs> bullshit um no she's just stoic yeah. you know she's like kind of a stone-faced beauty who like is very uh dignified and regal and like you know there's parts of her that we see everywhere. We see them yeah. in, you know, for like a classic kind of courty example, Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly in the Devil Prada. Yeah. yeah. You know, totally. it was this like power bitch who is not going to fucking suffer fools, whose wrath is legendary. Seems and who mean, has a, a piece reason. of shit husband yeah. that she has to deal with and will never let anybody see that. She's doing and her best. And then eventually is going to do whatever she can to secure her position. And that may look ruthless and anti-woman to you, but she has to do what she has to do. And, like, that's very that. Like, very Athena, you know? And so... Or very Athena. Very Hera. Very Hera. Um, or just even, like, the, the like, bringing it to, like, even the civil rights movement in terms of why we didn't use Claudette Colvin over Rosa Parks, right? Right. Like, like uh, Hera's mm-hmm. whole, like, cleaning up of the infidelities so that humans are not like, hey, remember that time you... Like, why am I praying you for marriage when, like, literally I'm looking at one of your... It's a mess. <laughs> Your husband's like monstrosity. It's political. His little super yeah. soldiers, and so like her kind of like getting those out of the way too is like ah, I'm sorry you're an unwed mother. Saving and, like, face. My husband did this, but I gotta get you out of here. Yeah. For the movement, quote unquote. Yeah. Um. So it's like yeah, it does like I mean that whole that that system or that thought is very pervasive. Mm-hmm. Um. Still. Yeah, definitely. It definitely seems like there's a lot of uh, reason that she could be doing everything that she's doing literally based only on I am the goddess of marriage and I protect the sanctity of marriage and the real vow and oath that we took 
And when you violate it, I will lay waste to everything that is the product of it. I unfortunately can't strike my husband dead, but the rest of you, all bets are off. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's like, sorry about it. I hate to do it to you, but like, this is, it, it is, you have it's to not pay acceptable. for his sins, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, so I just want to give a final shout out to the threesome between Teresius and, <laughs> and Zeus. Okay, because that is some shit right there. Listen, guys, this was a great episode. I'm really happy that we got to kick it off with our first goddess and then be bitter and chagrin about it. Um, <laughs> but it is the way things are. You know, we tell you all the time, nobody's gonna get a happy ending with Zeus and. You know, I will say overall, I'm pretty happy with um, the way that we were able to sort of at least give Hera a lot more depth, a lot more yeah. context, and give you kind of the full story, man. Especially the fact that she's most likely a deeply diminished goddess from her former stature during the Mycenaean pe period. Yeah. Um, so other than that, we just are so glad that you guys are listening to the show. Um, we've got really awesome content coming up next week. We're doing Demeter and Persephone. So buckle up for Ooh, that. Awesome. Uh, and the origin of winter. And then the week after that, it's time for Athena. And um, yeah. So if you have any questions about those goddesses that you want us to answer during the episode, if you have anything that you want us to cover, then feel free to reach out to us uh, on Instagram at when God was queer through our email, when God was queer at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voice note at, Anchor.fm slash when God was queer. And if it's really nifty, we will include it in the show, which will be wild. Again, shout out to Mars for reaching out on Instagram and having a fun chat with me earlier this week. And uh, other than that, I think it's time for our cacophony of queerness. <laughs> <laughs> is that just us? We're the cacophony of queerness. Yeah. <laughs> cacophony is one of my favorite words. Me too. It's, it has to be used more. Um, yeah, so from us uh, here at When God Was Queer, we say to you, wherever you are, be gay. Be gay. Do, Do crimes. crimes. The gods are always watching. The gods are always, always watching. watching. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo. Bye. 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 <laughs> Had to animate run through that one. Yes. <laughs>